Today we're going to be talking about the wilderness. The wilderness. How many of you have ever heard when it talks about the Bible, the wilderness, right off the bat, it does not sound good, right? Like most of the time, it's never good. We hear about Israel in the wilderness. We hear about people going to the wilderness. And there's a lot of people that don't like the wilderness. Um, I happen to love the wilderness. As a matter of fact, uh, my wife and I are building a house right now, and, um, and we've got a little bit of property where we're building. I think I'm a little bit too hot, Will, if you want to turn that down just a little bit. We're building some property, and, and where we're building our property, uh, it's in a neighborhood here in town. And so they haven't allowed us to be on the Facebook page of the neighborhood because neighborhood, they're, um, they're pretty touchy. You know, they're pretty special, and we're not. And so uh, they finally allowed my wife into the Facebook page. And she pulls up the Facebook page, and when she does, the Facebook page is, is littered with people's comments about who are these people cutting down the trees behind our houses. And, um, and Perry was like, don't reply, don't reply. And I was like, I want to reply so bad, you know. And so then Perry found a filter on Instagram or, or something, and it was a filter where it makes... Uh, you look like just super, uh, maybe redneck or something like her teeth are all funny and all this kind of stuff. And she's like, I want to reply with this picture and be like, we're the people, you know? And so anyways, we didn't reply. We didn't reply, but, um, but we are having to cut down some trees and, and, um, the people don't in the neighborhood, they don't understand how much I desire privacy. Like they don't understand that. Yes, we're in a neighborhood, but I don't even want to be in the neighborhood. Like I do not like seeing people, right? Like I want my house to be totally secluded. If it wasn't for Trestle City Schools, I would move to Montana and just fly in every Sunday. Like that's, that's how far away I want to be when in my home. Now in here, I like to be with you, but in my home, I want to be secluded. And, and so they don't understand that although we're cutting down a few trees, we're going to plant new ones just to hide ourselves from them. They, they don't get that. So Anyways, we're out there yesterday and we're talking to the builders and, and, um, and, and they're, you know, moving the trees and doing all that kind of stuff. And this snake comes out and I'm not a big fan of snakes. Like I don't, I don't do snakes at all. Like I I don't like my, I don't mind shooting a snake, but, um, and I would eat a snake, but I don't want to hold a snake. Right. And so this, it's a king snake and I know king snakes are good and I know they, they fight poisonous snakes. And so I will allow the snake to live on my property as long as he wants to, um, but I'm just not going to handle him. I, I'll just leave him alone. And so we're out there, and, and so we're talking, and Perry hears the, uh, the builder say something about how king snakes are good and they won't hurt you. But what Perry heard was, they won't bite you. Now listen, it's still a snake. It's got a mouth and it's got teeth. It may not poison you, but it will straight up bite you. And Perry, my wife, who is afraid of moths, walks over to this snake and the builder's wife is standing there laughing. She's like, yeah, just go pick it up. It won't hurt you. And Perry just walks over and grabs the snake by the tail. And the snake immediately whips around to bite her. And she drops the snake and backs up and goes, I thought you said it wouldn't bite me. And I was like, you have lost your mind. Like, who are you right now? I just want you to know, A, I'm married to a crazy person. And B, the wilderness is still scary. Like there are parts of the wilderness that will turn around and bite you no matter what anybody says. So you got to be careful when you're in the wild, right? You got to be careful when you're in the wild. And so 
so today's message is all about being in the wild. And, and typically, typically, whenever we read stories about the Bible or whenever we find ourselves in a wilderness place in life, we typically want to get out of it as quickly as possible. We, we typically beg God to get us out of this wilderness place as quickly as possible. Um, I, I know my wife and I, at, at one point, uh, I, I shouldn't say at one point, at many points in our lives, we have found ourselves in wilderness places. There was a time whenever we were on staff at a church and, and I had uh, kind of grown up uh, part of my life at this particular church and my dad was the pastor for a while of this church and and my dad, my dad decided to leave and go be a missionary. And, and so whenever he left, if, if you don't understand church world, um, uh, basically, it, it's not like in a business. In a business, if the boss leaves, you still have your job, right? But in, a, in the church world, when the pastor leaves, typically all of the staff gets, gets fired, or leaves on their own. That's kind of the, it's kind of how it goes. And so it kind of stinks. So if you, if you really love Pastor Jonathan, just know if I leave, uh, you won't have it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, so, so my dad leaves. And when my dad leaves, uh, new pastor comes in and, and new pastor wants to, uh, you know, he, he wants to bring in his own staff. And I totally understood that. And so I was looking for another job and, and trying to find a place to go. Um, but in the meantime, some people had lied about me to the new pastor. And so when they lied about me to the new pastor, the new pastor uh, didn't realize, uh, like, like you do, how wonderful I am, right? And so, so the new pastor did not like me, and he treated me terribly. He treated me terribly. He made my life miserable. Every day when I went to the church, my life was miserable. And I felt myself just in this wilderness place. And, and in that wilderness place, here's the thing. I remember, um, and I've told you this story plenty of times, but I remember we lived in a, in a single-wide trailer, a two-bedroom trailer, and so I would leave our one-bedroom and, and walk all the way across the house. It took me about five steps to get there, and, um, and I would go to the other bedroom, and I would just lay on my face before God, and I would cry out to God, and I would just pray, God, get us out of this. God, find us, give us a new place to go. Find us a place to go. God, you've got to do something here. We need a miracle. I remember the moments um, at this church after we had started this church. And we didn't know what we were doing when we started this church. We were making it up as we went along. We were terrible at church planning. I, I had a young guy. Um, I was at, at church camp with our kids and, and I had this young college student come up to me. And, and I said, what do you want to do when you get out of college? And he said, I want to plant a church. I said, no, you don't. No, you do not. I said, are you ready to work hard? Are you ready to be disappointed? Are you ready to, to have pain and suffering? And he was like... I, I don't know. I said, then you better get you a job. I mean, you better be careful. You know, it, church planning is hard and we didn't know what we were doing. And, and we had those moments, right? We had those moments where, where we thought we were going to have to shut the church down and we thought we were going to have to quit because we didn't have any money. I, I, was, I was laughing um, at, at, at what God's done. I just think God's amazing. And I just happened to be talking to someone the other day. Uh, they were asking me our story and some of the stuff that happened. I said, yeah, I remember when we got that 10 Valley building. Um, how many of y'all were with us at 10 Valley? Yeah, yeah, a couple of you guys were. So I remember we had the 10 Valley building. And, and when we got in there, the, the, the guy that we were leasing it from said, okay, now listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to know, like, if you want out of this lease, you're going to have to give me a 30-day notice. Because we told him, we said, we don't have much money. And, and he said, he said, well, here's the thing. Like, I, I think our lease was like, it was like $4,000 a month or, or something like that. And, and we had $12,000 in the bank. 
And he said, when you get down low on your funds, you're going to need to let us know when you've got about 30 days before you need to leave. And I said, hey, buddy, I'm signing this paper and I'm giving you my 30 day. I mean, 90 day. It was 90. I said, I'm giving you my 90 day notice right now. Like, this is all the money we have. If we don't make it, we're only going to survive for three months if God doesn't do something. That's, that's how we were. And I remember those days of just begging God. And, and you know what's funny? Um, even right now, this is amazing how God does. Even right now in the middle of summer when crowds are low and, and giving is supposed to be low, um, we've just had our two best financial tithe and offering months in the history of the church the last two months. Isn't that amazing? I mean, used to, we would bring in $5,000 a month. In the last two months, we brought in $6,000. i am just kidding. Um, it, it's just amazing what God has done over the course of time. But listen, it wasn't always like that. There was times, like I said, when we were in a wilderness. There were times when I was begging God, God, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not supposed to be here. Like, I need to leave. We need to shut this thing down. We need to do something else. Um, and, and we had those moments where we were in the wilderness, and we were begging God to get us out of the wilderness. Have you ever been in a wilderness place? Just, just humor me. Lift your hands. It's okay to lift your hands. If you've been, now don't lie to me. I don't want to hear a lie. But if you've been in a wilderness, lift your, yeah. Because we've all been in those places where we just feel like everything's terrible. And, and, and here's the thing that I want to tell you today. We think the wilderness is of Satan. We think the wilderness is a bad place. But what if the wilderness is the exact place God is placing you in this season of your life. Here, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Isaiah 43, 19, it says, for I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? Pause. So God says this, I'm about to do something awesome. I'm about to, I'm about to do something spectacular. I'm about to do something brand new in your life. Don't you perceive it? Like, can't you realize that I'm doing something in your life? In other words, God's speaking to a people that he's moving and they don't even recognize his move. We talked last week about experiencing God in a real way. Listen, there's people, there's places in life when God's moving and he's doing something and we don't even recognize the fact that God's doing something. Why don't we? Because the next part, it says, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Here's the thing. God wants to do a move in your life. God wants to perform miracles in your life. God wants to set you up and do great things in you and through you. The problem is when we're in the wilderness, we don't recognize it. But that's exactly where God wants to do something. It's no fun for God to do something I'm speaking for him. Maybe I shouldn't. But I feel like it's no fun for God to do something in your life whenever everything's going great anyway. Like when you have it all, then what happens if God does something? You don't recognize it because you think you did it. But when you ain't got nothing, when you're in the dry desert and all you got is dirt and God opens up a path when you're looking at the Red Sea and you can't get through it and God opens up a way, then all of a sudden God gets all the credit for everything that he does in your life. Whenever, whenever we were in those wilderness places, when we were in the wilderness places, and I, and I, I told Perry this, I actually cut, I cut a portion of my sermon out this morning, um, so I, but I'll still talk about it, I guess, because that's how I am. Um, but listen, there, there's times in life when success is a struggle. 
I don't know if you've ever been to that place before. There's times in life when success is a struggle. Whenever we had nothing and nobody, and, and I was working uh, two jobs, and I was getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning and, and, and not going to bed until I fell asleep on the couch trying to study for sermons um, at, at 8, 9 o'clock at night. Like When we were struggling and we were hurting, it was in those moments that I realized that I had zero to offer the church. I didn't have the talent. I didn't have the ability. I, there was no plan that, God, that I was going to make up in my head that was going to fix the problems that we were having at the church. I knew if God was going to do something, it had to be God. If the church was going to grow, if the finances were going to come in, if people were going to get saved, if we were going to do any kind of outreach, it had to be God because it sure wasn't Gabriel. But I wouldn't have recognized that had we started the church and 700 people showed up because I had a great plan. Had we started the church and a million dollars came in because I had a good, a good business sense. No. The wilderness is a place that, that really helps you to recognize what God's doing. And, and, and here's the thing about success. is sometimes now, now that I know none of this is because of me. And we just had our best two financial months. And we've had a lot of new people join the church. And we've had people get saved. Now it's like, oh, I'm scared. Because... Because I know I couldn't do it. And so you've got to depend on God, right? You've got to depend on God. And so, so that's what we want to look at today is the wilderness. Uh, as a matter of fact, the word desert in the Hebrew is actually, uh, it actually means place of speaking. Place of speaking. The word desert is a place of speaking. Why? Because that's where God wants to talk to you. We think God wants to talk to us when everything's going good. We think God wants to talk to us up on the mountaintop. We think God wants to talk to us at the peak of our success. But really, it's in the desert that God wants to speak to us. So if you find yourself today in a wilderness, if you find yourself in a desert, maybe it's in your parenting, maybe it's in your personal life, maybe it's in your finances, maybe it's in your family, whatever the area you find yourself in a wilderness today, I want to give you a little bit of hope that there's a place that God, there's some things God wants to do in your life. And so let's go through uh, quickly. I've got five five things that I feel like the, the wilderness is for us today. The first place the wilderness is, is it's a place of separation. When we're in the wild, we are removed from all distractions. I told you earlier, I want to be in the woods, man. I want to be in the woods. I love the woods. I love to just sit in my house and not listen to cars drive by, right? I love to sit in my house and not have just randos come walking through my yard like I do right now. And that's fine. Like they're doing their exercise, but, but they walk right slap through my yard. My dog goes crazy me and the doorbell goes off and everything starts happening. And my life is full of distraction right now. If you've ever lived in a city, um, when I was a kid and we lived in Guatemala for a little while, and, and I remember going to, to sometimes being in the, in the city and going up to a hotel and there they didn't have air conditioning. We had a very nice hotel that we would put people in. And sometimes we would go stay with the, the teams that came down. And, and I remember sleeping in that hotel. And, and the hotel didn't have AC, so you had to open up all the windows. And all night you hear the sounds of the city. Now, some of you all like that. But I couldn't stand it, right? You just horns honking and people talking and all this stuff happening. Lots of distractions. But the Bible uses, God uses the desert. He uses the wilderness as a place of separation from all distractions. In Exodus chapter 7, verse 16, Moses is talking to Pharaoh, 
And he's trying to get the Hebrews out. The Hebrews have been slaves for 400 years. And, and God has, has already told Moses, and we, we'll get into this probably later, but God has already told Moses that I'm going to use you to bring the, the Hebrews out of slavery, bring Israel out of slavery. And, and so God, uh, Moses is talking to Pharaoh, and he says this, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to tell you, let my people go so they can go worship me in the wilderness. So they can worship me in the wilderness. As long as we're in the middle of Egypt, we're going to be distracted. We're distracted by other gods. We're distracted by other people. Uh, we get distracted by our success. We get distracted by our failure. We get distracted by our planning. We get distracted by our retirement. We get distracted by our, our, our boss. We get distracted by our jobs. We get distracted by so many things. And sometimes God says, let me pull you out into the desert. Let me pull you into the wilderness. Why? So you can stop being distracted and you can worship me. When I told you the stuff about, about uh, when we lived in Auburn and, and looking for a job and all that. Listen, I was so distracted. I was so distracted by finding the job and finding the stuff that, that in those moments in the trailer, it, it felt like a wilderness place and it felt like all I could do was turn everything off. I had to turn everything off. I had to put myself in a place of no distraction where I could worship God, where I could talk to him. Because I believe that was what God wanted for my life. The second thing that the wilderness is, is the wilderness is a place of protection. We don't think it's a place of protection. As a matter of fact, we get really mad at God for putting us in the wilderness. We get mad at God whenever, whenever the relationship didn't work out and now we're, we feel lonely. When multiple relationships didn't work out and now we feel lonely. And, and we're like, God, why didn't this relationship work? Why didn't you allow me to have that, that spouse? or that, Why didn't you allow me to have this thing? We, we get mad at God when the promotion doesn't come because we've worked so hard for the promotion. And we're like, God, why didn't you give me the promotion? Why did, you, why did I get fired from this job when you told me this is what I was going to have? And we get frustrated with God when things don't work out. But can I tell you today, when he puts us in a place of wilderness, it's also a place of protection. The Bible says this. So, so God rescues the children of Israel. He rescues the Hebrews. He pulls them out of slavery in Egypt. And he takes them into the desert. And he tells them, I'm taking you to a promised land, uh, which we know today is modern day Israel. He says, I'm taking you from Egypt, placing you in Israel. This is where I want you to be. So here's what the Bible says, though, in Exodus 13. Verse 17, it says this, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. Isn't that interesting? There's a short way to get to the promised land. It's a main road. It's easy, right? It's well lit. It's the interstate. Have you ever, have you ever traveled in, and, uh, who, who remembers the days before GPS, right? Who remembers MapQuest? Who remembers Atlases? Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, we'd, we'd go on a road trip, and my dad would go buy the new Atlas, you know, the, the 1992 Atlas, and we'd crack that bad boy open, and he'd get his highlighter out, and he'd say, all right, this is the path we're going to take, and, and then you'd have to find the next state, you know, because they're in alphabetical order. It would... So it doesn't make any sense. So you got to flip seven pages, you know, and you know, okay, now we're in Georgia. You know, this is where we're going, right? And you had to map it all out, try to find the easiest path. Um, and I remember one time, even after we had GPS, uh, we, were going, we were going to Tennessee. Perry and I were, and we had some friends with us. And, and uh, as we were driving along the interstate, someone said, well, I'm hungry. Let's go find something to eat. 
And I was like, I don't, I don't even know where we are. Like, we're in some part of some state that doesn't even have lights, apparently. Like, they have yet to invent the light bulb. And so they were like, let's pull off on the road and go find something to eat. And we were driving through the dark. It was so dark. Like, I, it was that kind of darkness that your headlights don't work. You know what I'm saying? And so it was just super dark. And all of a sudden, we're, like, driving around back roads. And, and we found this barbecue restaurant just lit up. You know, and it was the best barbecue I've had. And I don't even know if it really exists. I don't, it may have been a mirage. I'm not sure. But it was really good. But it was off the beaten path is where we found what we needed instead of staying on the main road. And God says, listen, I could have taken Israel on the main road. I could have made it very, very easy. But instead, instead, here's what he says. He says, even though it was the shortest route to the promised land, God said, if the people are faced with battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Sometimes we're asking God, God, why didn't I get that promotion? And, and listen, he's leading you into that place of wilderness because you don't know what that job would have done to you. You don't know what that promotion would have done to you. You don't know, God, why didn't I get the raise? You don't know what the money would have done to you. That may have been more money than you were prepared um, in, with your integrity. You were prepared to receive. And, and we don't like to hear that because we like to hear the prosperity preachers talk about how God's just going to dump truckloads of money on you. But listen, I'm going to be honest with you. If God dumps truckloads of money on people, it may not be good. That's why most people that win the lottery end up committing suicide or committing some kind of crime. And they lose all the money within a, a matter of months, not years. Why? Because we're not prepared sometimes for the success. And so, so sometimes, why didn't I get in that relationship? Why did he break up with me? Why did she, she leave me? Listen, maybe the reason that you're not in that relationship right now, maybe the reason you're in that place of loneliness is because you were going to be in an abusive relationship and you just didn't realize it. How many times have we heard stories of people that, that, that got into a relationship and did not realize the person that they were going to be with until about six months down the road and then they found out the true person? What if, what if your loneliness right now is God protecting you from something that could have hurt you? So when you're in this place of wilderness, don't start kicking against it. Don't start fighting it. Understand that, God, you might be protecting me from something right now. I remember um, when we were looking for a job, and uh, there was a couple of jobs that came open for us. And, and um, I was a children's pastor back then. And so this, this one pastor was in Florida, right next to Disney World. And I was like, oh, man, how awesome would that be, like, to be a children's pastor next to Disney World? And, and they had, like, they had all this stuff. And they were like, listen, right off the bat, I'm going to pay you more than you're getting paid now. I was like, check. You know, and then they're like, and, and your room, your facility for kids ministry, it looks like a Disney set. We have spent tens of thousands of dollars just on that room. I was like, check. You know, I'm, I was so excited about the possibility of going to this place. And, and then all of a sudden it was like, the, like God said no. And I was like, no, you know, I want to go to this place. Everything looks good. I can be successful. But God said no. Instead, God took us to another city where I thought I was going to make the same amount of money I was making at the church I was at. So I was like, okay, it's just a, across the board, we're good. And I got there and got my first paycheck and realized it was $10,000 less per year. Not per paycheck. <laughs> wow. <laughs> children's pastor's making a killing. I need to be a children's pastor again. 
And I just thought, God, what are you doing right now? What in the world are you doing? I could have had all this. But God was protecting me. God was protecting me from something. He was watching out for me even though I didn't realize it. The third thing that the wilderness is is a place of revelation. A place of revelation. So not only does God want to separate you sometimes from your distractions, and he wants to protect you from things that are going to hurt you, but once he gets you separated and he gets you protected, the next thing he wants to do is start revealing himself to you. So in Exodus chapter 3, we read the story of Moses. And, and I, I want to kind of read through it. I'll, I'll try to read fast. But here's what the Bible says about Moses. Now listen, Moses was a murderer, okay? So, so Moses is a criminal that ran for his life from Egypt and found himself as a shepherd in the middle of nowhere. And so that's where Moses is kind of like a witness protection program, right? Like he's out there doing doing just shepherding and growing his beard out, hoping nobody recognizes him. And so here's what the Bible says in Exodus 3. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. They were from Alabama. And the priest, he was the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the what? Wilderness, right? So Moses is where? Wow, it's, it's really not that complicated. He's in the wilderness. And he came to Sinai, the mountain of God. That's important to know later. And there an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. And Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I got to go check that out. Right? He is definitely from Alabama. Anytime you see a fire and you're like, I got to go look at that. You're from Alabama. And if your father-in-law's name is Jethro. So we got this thing going on. And so here's the thing. Here's the thing that I noticed about this story. Had the bush been burning in Egypt, Moses wouldn't have noticed it. Had there been a sign in Egypt, Moses wouldn't have noticed it. Why? Because he was so distracted by all the stuff. But you get him out in the middle of nowhere. And when you're in the middle of nowhere, and there ain't nobody around, and it's getting dark, and you look over and you see a bush catch on fire, it gets your attention. It gets your attention. So Moses walks over. He's checking this thing out. Problem is, when he gets there, somebody starts talking to him. Verse 4. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer. I just think it's funny whenever people in the Bible are like, here I am. Like, yeah, no joke. He looks at you from, there's a fire, dude. Like, he knows where you are. Don't come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. Some of you may feel like God doesn't know that you're suffering today. Some of you may feel like God doesn't understand what you're going through today. I'm going to tell you right now, God knows exactly what you're going through. And he is preparing a, a place. He's preparing an escape for you. But you've got you to gotta just know that the, he knows it, right? Verse 8. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, all those ites, they live. Verse 9, look, the cry of the people Israel has reached me, and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, uh, Israel, out of Egypt. Two things God did for Moses. God revealed himself to Moses. I'm the God of your fathers. And then God revealed the calling of Moses 
to himself. Not only am I your God, but hey, buddy, I got a calling for your life. I got a plan for you. I got something for you to do. I feel very strong right now. Um, and I feel like this is the Holy Spirit speaking to, to some people in this room, that there are some people in your life right now that are slaves in Egypt. There are some people in your life right now that are slaves in Egypt, and God is calling you. God wants to rescue them, but he wants to use you to do it. And there's someone in this room, by the end of this message today, you need to be praying and asking God. You need to respond. You may say, God, I feel like I'm in a wilderness. I feel like I don't know enough. I don't have it all together. I, 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 I'm not the best Christian in the world. I, I, I don't have, you know, all these things going on. I, I'm not the preacher. I, I... Listen, Moses wasn't any of those things either. Moses has been raised in Egypt. Moses didn't know anything about God. But here's what happened. God called him. And God used him to rescue someone else. And I really feel like there's people in the room right now that you've got some folks in your life that are crying out to God. They may not realize it, but they're crying out to God because they're in slavery. And God is calling some, some of you in this room to go set them free. That's a side point, but that's a good point that you need to receive today. Here's the thing. It's once we're in the wilderness without the distractions that we can see God. And God wants to reveal himself to you. And he wants to call you. The fourth thing, and I've only got five, so we're almost done. Number four is the wilderness is a place of preparation. The wilderness is a place of preparation. I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever done any kind of... Um, think, think about this. In, in academics, in academics uh, it, have you ever tried to go take a test in school, but you didn't study at all? Right? And you get there, and you're like... God, please help me to remember everything the teacher said. And God just kind of laughs at you like, you're really stupid. Like, what are you thinking? You didn't prepare. Like, you didn't prepare. And I can't bless a lack of preparation, right? Have you ever, uh, for those of you that, that, that go to the gym, some of you guys have been to competitions before. Uh, my son is, is wanting to go to a competition this year, a fitness competition. And, and, um, and the thing is, he likes to fish. And so, so, so he has to choose every day, do I go fishing or do I go work out and prepare for the competition? Because here's the thing. He's going to get to the competition, and they're going to want him to lift weights. And he's going to be like, I can cast a rod and reel really good. Like, I'll catch you a bass. But if you don't prepare, you can't just step in and expect to perform. There's preparation that happens. That preparation is the wilderness. There's a, there, there's a guy one time. Well, I'll just use this. Remember the Rocky movies? Remember Rocky? And my favorite was Rocky Four. That's, that's always a good one. But in Rocky Four, he's got all the stuff. He's got all the money. And he's got all the, the things. He's got the robot, you know. And he's got all this stuff happening for him. And, and, and when it comes time to train, though, he realizes, i got to get back to the wilderness. i got to get back to that place that I used to be, where I had that hunger and that drive. And he goes into Russia. And he's in the snow. And he's, he's like, running through the snow. And he's chopping down trees. Um, and, and it's crazy. And there's an awesome montage and all that stuff. Listen. The wilderness is a place of preparation. And you're saying, God, I want the promise. I want the victory. I want the promotion. I want the relationship. I want the things. But, but you're not prepared for it. And God can't give you what it is you want if, you, if he hasn't prepared you for it. And it's in the wilderness that we get prepared 
for what God wants to do. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, it says this, And you shall remember God talking to Israel again. This is the whole leaving. leaving. He says, And you shall remember the whole way the Lord, uh, that the Lord has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart. Right? What, what is God preparing? He's testing your heart to know what you got going on, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and then fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make uh, you know that, that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Here's the thing. God says, I put you in the wilderness. Now, Israel was in the wilderness for 40 years. God put them in the wilderness. And while they were in the wilderness, the Bible says, I even let you go hungry sometimes so that I could feed you, so that you would know it's not in your strength that you're fed, but it's by my hand that you're fed. I put you in the wilderness and I tested your heart to see if you were going to lean on your own understanding or if you were going to trust me in everything. Sometimes when we find ourselves in a place of wilderness, it's because God is preparing us and he's testing us and he's working some stuff out in us. There's some stuff in our hearts sometimes that there's some areas in my life sometimes, I'll be honest with you, when I don't trust God all the time and I think, oh, I've got to make this work myself. And that's when God puts me in a place of wilderness to show me Hey, it's, it's got to be by my hand, not by yours. It's got to be by my hand, not by yours. And so, so God puts us in a place. Listen, there's people in the Bible. The Bible says Moses was a shepherd in the wilderness before leading Israel. The Bible says David, probably scholars think, spent seven years in the wilderness um, learning how to become a king. He was chased for seven years by the, by the former king. He lived in ditches and caves for seven years until God prepared him during that time to become king. Joseph spent 17 years in slavery and in prison honing his gifts and being prepared by God to lead Egypt out of a famine. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness before walking out in the power of the Holy Spirit and preaching the gospel. God uses the wilderness as a place of preparation. The problem is this, we don't want to be prepared. Everybody wants to be on the podium, but nobody wants to train. And the fact is, you've got to be prepared. Israel, this is the sad, one of the saddest stories to me. The Bible says it took Israel 40 years to get from Egypt to the promised land. 40 years. You know how long the walk is? You could probably go walk it right now. It takes 11 days. It takes 11 days to get there. But it took them 40 years. Why did it take them so long? It took them so long because they were not ready to be prepared. They kept looking back to Egypt. They kept complaining. They kept whining. And God kept saying, I'm going to keep you here longer. I'm going to keep you here longer. As a matter of fact, the whole generation died in the desert because they were not prepared to step into their promise. What is God preparing in you today? Here's the last thing. The wilderness is a place of restoration. The wilderness is a place of restoration. Here's the thing about the wilderness. The wilderness will very quickly expose your sin. If you got a problem or you got an issue, you step into the wilderness and you will very quickly find out exactly what's going on in your life. Your sin will get exposed. And listen, I want to tell you something today. Your sin getting exposed is not a place to embarrass you or humiliate you. But, but when God exposes our sin, it, He's really revealing our need for a Savior. When God exposes our sin, He's revealing our need for a Savior. And so, so here's the thing. I want to tell you a story of a guy named Hosea. So Hosea, 
Um, Hosea was in a prophet. He was a prophet in the Old Testament, right? And, and here's the thing about Hosea. Uh, God told Hosea to go marry a prostitute. I, I told the team before service today, I said, this is a terrible sermon illustration, right? Because God wants to use Hosea's marriage as an illustration to the people of Israel. So he says, go marry a prostitute. And he goes and he marries this prostitute. And the problem is she kept leaving him to go back into her prostitution. She would come and she would live with Hosea and things would be good. And he would provide for her. And he gave her a comfy house and he gave her the clothes she needed. And in those days, the the idea of prostitution wasn't always um, a a, a life of making money. It was a life of slavery. It was it was more closely aligned with with sex slavery. And so so she would go back into her slavery of prostitution. And God would say, Hosea, go get her back. Hosea would have to go down into the red light district, right? Like he's going into the worst parts of town and he's asking around, has anybody seen this woman? She's my wife. And he goes through door to door and he finally finds her and he says, listen, her name was Gomer. She was also from Alabama, right? And so he's like, Gomer, you got to come home with me. You know, and he would, he would have to literally, he would have to buy her back. My man's already providing her a house. She leaves him and now he has to go buy her back. He has to purchase his wife and bring her home. And it was this constant back and forth. And God begins to speak through Hosea to the people of Israel. And he said, this is exactly what you're doing. You don't realize that I've rescued you and you keep running back to your old life. And I try to rescue you and you run back. And God finally says in Hosea chapter 2, we're not going to, I'm, I'm skipping this part. I would love for you to go back and read it. It's an interesting story. But in chapter 2, God finally begins to expose all of her sins, all of Israel's sins. He says, he says that he's like a husband and she, Israel, the, the nation is like his wife. And he says, you keep leaving me to go into prostitution with these other gods. And he says, you know what? Here's the thing. I'm going to let you have it. I'm going to let you have it. I'm going to let you rot just a little bit. I'm going to expose your problems just a little bit. And I'm going to let you drown just a little bit. And he says, here's the reason. Because I need you to realize that you need me. So so God says, you're going to suffer a little while. But then verse 14 of Hosea chapter 2. This is the most amazing verse. I love this verse. The Bible says, therefore, behold, I will kill her. No, doesn't say that. I will punish her more. Doesn't say that. It says, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And there she shall answer in the days of her youth as at that time when she came out of the land of Egypt. A couple of things I want to point out to you. You may feel like a failure today. You may be in sin today. You may be trapped by addiction today. You you may be stuck today in a situation that you just don't see any way out of. Maybe you feel like you failed God one too many times. Maybe you feel like, like you've done too much and God doesn't love you. Can I tell you what he's doing today? He is alluring you. He is drawing you where? Out into the wilderness with him. 
He wants to draw you away from all the distractions. He wants to draw you away from all of the problems. He wants to draw you away from all of the people that are holding you back. And he wants to draw you close to himself. And he doesn't want to bash you over the head. He wants to speak tenderly to you. Not only does he want to speak tenderly to you, the Bible says that he wants to make the valley of Achor a door of hope. Of course, being a little nerdy, I had to look up what Acor was. Acor is actually the same valley that, that there was this huge sin in the Old Testament earlier on in the Bible. There was a huge problem in the valley of Acor. And it was named the valley of Acor because Acor means trouble. Some of us find ourselves in the valley of Acor today. We find ourselves in some trouble today. We find ourselves in an issue we can't get out of today. But here's what God says. He says, I'm going to make the valley of Achor a door of hope. The word hope there doesn't just mean hope. Like I just, I hope something good's going to happen. The word hope there means deliverance. So what does God want to do today? God wants to draw you into the wilderness. Why? Because he loves you. And he wants to give you hope and deliverance. He wants to set you free from your issues and your problems. It may not always be fun. It may not always be easy because the wilderness isn't always fun and easy. But God's preparing you for something. He's doing something in your life. He wants to get you away from your other lovers so that he can speak to you. Why don't you stand up with me today? We're going to have some people come down to the front. They're they're going to help us pray this morning. And if you need prayer for anything, anything, we want to pray with you today. We want to pray with you. So if you're on the prayer team this morning, I don't know if, 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 if we've gotten you all together or not. I'm sure someone has. But if you would slip out of your seat, come on down to the front. If you're helping me pray today and, and if you're not sure, just come on down anyway. Yeah. Here's the thing. Some of us, maybe a lot of us today, feel like we're in the wilderness. Like I said earlier, it may be in your finances, it may be in your, in your family. It, it might be, you might feel like you're in the wilderness in your, in your calling, in your life, in what you're doing. I talk to pastors all the time, I talk to, to, to business people, and, and one of the common threads I hear a lot of is, I, I'm just not sure that this is where God wants me. I'm not sure what my future looks like. I don't know what's going to happen next. The Bible says Elijah was the same way. He was a great prophet. He had great success and great victory. And he also wanted to kill himself because he just didn't know what the next step was. And so God took him into the wilderness to reveal the next step. So today you may find yourself in a wilderness and and you just need God to do a work in your life. You need God to give you a a, a calling. You need God to prepare you. You need God to restore you. You need God to, to reveal himself to you. Whatever it is today, we want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. So if you would, everybody close your heads. Pastor Jonathan's about to sink. Close your heads. Close your eyes. Close your eyes with me today. And I just want to pray for you, but then I want to invite you down to a place 
of pursuit, a place of seeking God. And, and these people at the front, they're not special. They're not, they're not super Christians. All they are is a touch point. They're just somebody that wants to be with you and encourage you and love on you and help you today. So God, I just pray for each and every person in this room, whether they're serving you or not, I pray that you speak to their hearts, God. If, if someone in this room is not a Christian, then God, I pray today that, that this place would be a place of restoration, God. That this wilderness today would be a wilderness of restoration where you want to deliver Deliver them from their sin, where you want to remove them from their place of temptation, God. God, today I pray that you would restore, restore their identity as a child of God. God, I pray today that you would restore families. I pray today that you would restore health. I pray today that you would restore finances. I pray today that you would reveal futures. God, today I pray that you use the wilderness, the desert as a place of speaking. And today we want to seek after you. You said in Hosea that you want us to come after you just like the Israelites did when they first came out of Egypt. When they first came out, God, they were were in pursuit of you. They trusted you. And God, that's how you want us to live a life of trust and pursuit. In Jesus' name.